Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. KYW Original Podcasts. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program, Organ Donors Save Lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. This week, we explore the nationwide debate. Do we continue the coronavirus lockdown or is it time to let up? Put your mask on and let's do what we got to do to survive. We can revive the economy, but we can't revive lives. Is the virus under control or is it just too soon to reopen even with precautions? We wouldn't be recommending that businesses and people stay home and that things were closed if it weren't necessary. We dig in. Then when government wouldn't help, a group of black doctors got to work. And we know just from the response that we have received that people want to step up. A pair of twin physicians discuss a new consortium designed to help those at high risk for COVID-19. We'll be right back. Hey, Flashpoint family. Thank you so much for taking a listen. Would you do me a favor? Would you subscribe to the podcast and then rate and review? We need your reviews to get us to the top. Thanks, everybody. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is the new push to reopen the country. After weeks of lockdown and fear, states are taking steps towards rolling back restrictions. As of Friday, Georgians can get haircuts or go to the gym. And beginning Monday, they can dine in restaurants. In Pennsylvania, Governor Tom Wolf announced a multi-phase process for reopening. So what will reopening the country in Pennsylvania look like? Are we ready or is it just too soon? With me virtually to discuss this flashpoint is Pennsylvania State Representative and Minority Whip Jordan Harris, who gave a rousing speech in the General Assembly on this issue this week. We also have Dr. Jennifer Cottle, a family physician and professor at Rowan University. And finally, we have Derek Lee, owner of D&J Costumes. They operate in Northeast Philadelphia. Everybody, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you for having me. Thank you. First off, I want to start with Rep. Harris. The governor laid out a plan this week for reopening Pennsylvania. Lay it out and then what's your take on it? Thank you so much for having us and for having this conversation. The governor has basically laid out a plan where you'll reopen the state in phases. Red is is the most extreme and kind of where we are today. Yellow being kind of an intermediary and green being somewhat back to normal, but even at green, it's back to normal with new norms. And it's also about doing it not as a state as, as a whole, but doing it based off of regions and looking at the data so that you can do it based off of what the data is telling us about the area. In Philadelphia, the mayor said it could be weeks before we get to even a yellow level. What's your take on that, Jordan? So I agree with the governor, and I agree with the governor because I think it has to be data-driven. It has to be based off of what medical experts are telling us and not based off of our own political whim. You know, as I've said before, we can revive the economy, but we can't revive lives. And we have to always have in the front of our mind that this is about how do we save lives lives while also restarting the economy. Saving lives first, the economy second. So when you look at the governor's plan, it is it is taking the advice of the medical professionals, removing as much as possible politics from the, the, the equation and doing things that we think will be good for Pennsylvanians. Philadelphia, uh, the southeast and the northeast part of the, the, of the Commonwealth have been the hardest hit. So when you look at the numbers, it is clear that we will not be first on the list, but that it's going to take us some more time to flatten the curve and get things under control before we can begin to open back up. Dr. Jen, what are the big concerns that make this phased approach and regional approach um, something that uh, so many people do support? I like the idea that, you know, we, you know, we, we can't revive lives, you know, in, in our efforts to revive the economy. One thing we have to remember is that lives come first. And we really do have to be looking at the data, which is what we're all saying here. Um, and we know that every region throughout the country, not just the state of Pennsylvania, regions are different. So I do like the idea of taking a look at things from a regional perspective. 
But once again, echoing my colleagues, we have to follow that data. And, and I support that. And, and honestly, you know what? I would rather be maybe a little bit too cautious than overly aggressive and, and regret that because we're losing lives or because we're, we're moving backwards or, or things of that nature. What are the data points that, that make people say, OK, we can we can roll back these restrictions? From a, a medical standpoint, there's a number of things. Um, you know, first of all, how many cases we have and how the trend and the trajectory is going. Are we, are, do we, are we having more and more cases every day or are our cases actually declining? You know, that's something that would be a reasonable and an important metric to look at to understand, you know, what we can start, uh, start doing. The other thing is, um, you know, looking at testing and, and what our capabilities are as a region. You know, how, how much and how widespread are we able to test? That's going to give us an idea of how good of a handle we even have on what's happening. Um, is this just the tip of the iceberg? Or, or are, do we have a good handle on it? And, you know, something that's being talked about on the national level is this idea of putting sort of public health measures in place to make sure that we have a strategy once we do test people. If we test somebody and they're positive, what are we doing um, in, our, in our state of Pennsylvania to, to trace their contacts, to isolate those people, to ensure that we sort of um, keep and, and isolate the, the disease as much as possible? So it's really a multitude of things that, that really are necessary to determine whether we can go back. Meanwhile, folks are, are waiting. You know, um, Derek um, here mm-hmm. runs a, a, a business, uh, is very eager to reopen Pennsylvania and lay out your argument. I mean, do you think this is too cautious when it comes to folks like yourself? Thank you for having me. Sure. You're killing the small businesses. This green light, red light, yellow light. I go in the dollar store, it's 50 people. I go in the Walmart, it's 200 people. You can't have these people that do nails, do hair, sell purses. They got a 1,500-square-foot building, and you're asking them not to open. Are you going to pay their health care? Are you going to pay their car note for the past three months, the electric, the gas? You can't have these people that's selling little small stuff, that, that's making purses, making hats, doing nails, doing hair, barbershop, and telling them not to open. And Walmart is almost open all day long. And and let me tell you something. You're going to die when it's your time. And and I hate to be rude, and I hate to hurt people's feelings. If you're going to get sick and die, it's going to happen anyway. There was an expiration date when you were born. You're killing the small businesses. And all these small businesses that want to do an 11 o'clock nail for Cherry Greg, 12 o'clock, you got Mrs. Jones. One o'clock, you miss. You can sp- schedule it out. You can wear your mask. You're telling the small businesses and da- not to open. And, and Derek- we didn't get our twelve hundred dollars. We didn't get our five thousand dollars. We got nothing. And Derek, so just you just give your go- example real quick. Give your example because you operate a, a store and you're not considered right. a, an essential business by any oh, means. We're not- if we don't sell food, we're not essential. So when people come in and they say, hey, I, I, I need this costume, I need this hat, I need this, that. oh, I can't open, I can't open at all. I got 2,000 square feet here. I'm not allowed to open at all because I'm not considered essential. It's not fair. You're yeah, killing the yeah. small businesses. You're going to make it in six months. We got to get back in line to find a regular job and, and Rep because Harris, we used all of our savings. Yeah, and Rep Harris, I want to come back to you because Derek does have a point, and a lot of people agree with him. There were protests in Harrisburg on this very topic. Are there any moves we can make that will give folks like Derek some opportunity to survive this? We got nothing. I I agree with the fact that small businesses should be a part of of the federal government's stimulus package. Um, On a state level, I know we did about $60 million, and that money, you know, went you know, quickly, Mm -hmm. Um, the the city has done some some resources. So the lion's share of the resources for our businesses are going to come from the federal government. So I am sympathetic and I understand the need for for resources to help our small business owners. And I think that they should have them. Um, That's not an argument to have with me as as a state official. It's something that we have to take up with our members in Congress and the United States Senate. But with that being said, in the same vein, I, what I don't agree with is that we this whole thing that you're going to die when you're going to die, um, because there are people who were living a perfectly fine life until they got COVID-19 and then they died. So I can't be as cavalier uh, about a person losing their life when I'm also called on to console the families when they're putting their loved ones in the ground. And here's the crazy thing. 
they can't even put them in the ground the way they typically would when somebody died because now there are standards around how you even have a funeral. So, so no, you know, okay, I, yeah, will air, I, 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 I will be, I will be on the side, and this is not necessarily directed to you, my brother, but I will be mm-hmm. on the unapologetically on the side of the living. Because yeah. dead people can't shop. Dr. Jen, there are businesses that are operating, and we call them essential businesses. People are doing curbside pickup now. We see six feet, you know, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, there's six feet. Everybody's wearing masks. Are there ways that more, that businesses can operate uh, within the, that, that would keep people in some ways healthy and follow the directives that our medical professionals like yourself have put out there? The short answer is, is yes, but those are the things that we're already recommending right now. You know, the hand sanitizer, the six feet distancing, the masks and, and all that kind of stuff, that's what we're recommending right now. So it's expected that we're supposed to be doing that now. Um, and, you know, the idea of keeping businesses closed and keeping us home and things like that are also part of the plan because it, it, it's simply necessary. Um, you know, I, I'm sympathetic as well to the loss of business. I, I don't take it lightly at all. Um, I think that, you know, while I know that my perspective as a doctor is, you know, all I do is treat people. My main mission in life is to keep people not only healthy, but alive. That's my goal in my singular goal in life. And I think that sometimes when when we're not in certain situations, you know, look, I'm not in the situation of a business owner that's not in business right now. So I know what I'm saying goes both ways, that when you're not in that person's shoes, it may not feel as close or as direct. But the truth of the matter is, is that lives are, are, mm-hmm. are, are not, um, they're not expendable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not exchangeable. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't come back. Businesses can come back. And I know this is a rough time. And yes, from a political standpoint, I'm not a politician. So I always try to remember to stay in my lane and to stay in my spot because I can't speak to the finances, but I know more needs to be done. And I know a lot of small businesses are complaining they have not received funding. And that is a, that's the biggest shame ever. Um, I think we can okay, all agree let, about let, that. But the truth me, is, Cherry, if I can just if I can just finish one if I can finish one if I can okay. finish one second, please. My, my point, and this is what I have to say. No, you're fine. You're fine. I understand. Um, my point mm-hmm. that I have to say though is that we wouldn't be recommending that businesses and people stay home and that things were closed if it weren't necessary. These measures were put in place because of a virus that literally has taken our world by storm. We have hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world that are, have died and are dying still. And the only way to stop this is to take the measures that we have taken. It's not just like, oh, let's just shut things down. Yeah. No. So, so when you think about it from that perspective, that we have to do this to stop the virus. And I'm hoping that will allow people to see that, you know, this is not, this is not fun for anybody. Yeah, nobody. Wants, I've been home for ten days. Haven't left my home for ten days. Haven't even been outside because I'm a healthcare right. worker and I uh, can't get sick. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying um, we have to respect the data and the science and respect this virus. It's infecting anybody and everyone. Yeah, and Derek. I mean, the mayor no. and I, I mentioned to Jordan. I mean, when you heard the mayor say it could be weeks. I mean, what went through your mind as somebody who's well, holding well, on here? Yeah. Well, okay, we're holding on. It could be weeks. I go to Walmart, it's crowded. You know, I, I have enough sense to schedule my appointments if you have a small business. It's a probably less of a chance for you to catch a virus at that little nail salon or at that little hair salon than you do at the Dollar Tree, where it's crowded. So everybody knows, wear your mask, set appointments, make sure you space people out. If this is a pandemic, and I get it, and I feel bad for everybody, this goes on into July june august it's going to be a purge so you can get ready for that you can get ready for more violence in the street because your common people haven't gotten made any money whatsoever it's a less of a chance to come to my shop with two thousand square feet than you can at walmart it's 200 people in here so you're killing the small businesses saying we've got to shut the city down and uh, we're only going to sell food. It's crowded every time I go there. And, and let's get some facts here, Derek, because you did apply for the SBA loans. You've applied for city uh, relief and have not received any support whatsoever. Ain't right. Look, I past six weeks, I lost 20 grand, okay? Call Will Smith, tell him to send me 20 grand. You gave Ruth Chris 20 million? I'm eating into my savings. I'm not talking for me. I'm talking about for the young lady selling purses selling hair, doing nails, doing yeah. makeup. They can schedule their appointments and say, I got Cherry Gregg at 11 o'clock. I got Councilwoman Cindy Bass at 12 yeah. o'clock. And, and I wanna, Print it out. 
You put it out. And, and Rep Harris, I mean, clearly, I mean, and I know Derek does not want anybody to go away from here because of these actions. <laughs> right. So how do you balance all of this? I mean, people have bills to pay. People, And then in three months, even with the moratorium on people's rent, at a certain point, all of that's going to become due and just people feeling this sense of hopelessness. The fact that, you know, you can get evicted is help because myself and many members of the Philadelphia delegation in the House and members over in the Senate worked with the Supreme Court to shut down the court system in Pennsylvania from evicting people. I personally was on the phone with the president of PICO and with the chairwoman of the Pennsylvania Utilities Commission, working with them in the governor's office to put the moratorium in to help us uh, stop folks from being shut off. Literally spoke with the president of PICO earlier this week about what their plans are. So, yes, there's going to have to be more help on top of that with regards to how people pay their bills moving forward, whether it's, um, you know, extending payment plans, whether it's, you know, financial resources. Folks are going to need help. 100% get that. And I hate to be political for, for 10 seconds, but, but I'll say this. Elections have consequences. And I want folks to remember this in November when it's time to vote. Because there are certain people who actually want to help, and there are certain people who think the economy is more important than lives, and they're not looking to provide help. And what you should remember is who, and I won't tell you who or what, none, well, any of that, you know, on, on these airwaves. Uh, you can, you know, check me out on social media. I'll tell you what I think personally. But I won't, I won't take Flashpoint in that direction. But, you know, this is a prime example of, you know, you know why elections matter. Think about it this way. We have other governors in other states who are saying open up their state. Yeah. Just open it up, knowing that they don't have enough testing, knowing that they're not ready, and they're saying open up. You have a mayor over in Las Vegas who literally said that she is willing to allow her city to be basically guinea pigs. That's what she, that's, you know, that's what she said. This is a prime example of, of, of why elections matter, because there are people who are making, honestly, at this point, with this pandemic, life and death decisions. And I want folks to understand that these aren't easy decisions. I, I was in Harrisburg earlier this week. I was in Harrisburg last yeah, week. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when I'm there, I am thinking about each and every Philadelphian uh, who's not going to be able to pay their bills, who are not going to be able to do the things that they need to do during this pandemic. I'm thinking about folks who are not being able to pay their car note. I'm thinking about all of them folks, those folks, not just today, but what happens to them three months from now. The small business has been the forgotten because if you're going to close things down, you have to close everything down. Okay, you're going to have less of a chance coming in the the smaller shops than you can the bigger shops. And people say, remember this in November, you might not have a house in November, man. Have you missed a check in six weeks? Some of these people that listen to, to my voice on the radio, they're working from home. They're working on their computer. Nobody on this phone has missed a payment. Nobody on this phone is behind on their health care. So the passion I have, I'm sorry, I normally don't act like this, but the passion I have is because we haven't made money in six weeks. So people are saying, remember your vote. I might be homeless in six months. Yeah. So, so when I go down yeah. to the unemployment line and put in for a job, Ain't nobody going to hire me because the job I put in for, I got more experience than the girl who's hiring me. And so I, I'm a threat and, to and, her. And I know, Derek, and I, I know a couple of business owners who called me personally because we've done, um, I've done some outreach to business owners, and they are literally screaming in pain That's right, right and now. I'm screaming and, I, and, I, and, and there is that, and, that, and like I said, there was, you know, protests in Harrisburg. People, uh, the Republicans came together and tried to pass a bill to reopen the country. You see this Georgia is about to reopen. Right. And I'm going to give Dr. Jen a moment. When you hear this, what's happening in Georgia, what goes through your mind? It scares me. I mean, it, it scares me, honestly. Um, I, I worry, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only one that's worrying. I mean, I know that um, a lot of other people are worried, and I know that all of us on this call probably know people in Atlanta or Georgia are people saying, wow, really? Um, you know, I have family that lives there, and we've yeah, talked about it a lot. And yeah. just mm-hmm. because, yeah, yeah, and just because, you know, shops may be opening up on Friday um, doesn't mean that everyone's comfortable going. Uh, and that's one thing that I think that, that people can be empowered with, you know, 
uh, regardless of, of what your state chooses to do in terms of opening up, if you're not comfortable going out, and, and honestly, there are many people I don't suggest be out. That makes me nervous. I, I think it's too soon for, for them to open up. I'll be very honest about that. But but we also have to remember that those in that situation can make the choice to still remain home and to still be very, very cautious. And I hope that those who are concerned yeah. um, do that for themselves and, and other people. But yeah, I, I'm worried about it. Yeah. And but, I, but, and but, I gotta but, ask but, this Sarah, question Sarah. though. Can, should Go we ahead. redefine and, and, and I wanna put this because this is Derek and I spoke offline and, and one of the things, Jordan, people have asked is should we redefine what essential business is? Should we broaden the definition? I mean, because, for example, beauty supply shops um, are closed. They're not considered essential businesses. People can't, you know, I mean, Mail. should we look at that mm-hmm. list and, and, and revise that and allow at least some other additional businesses to open? Is that an option, Jordan? Sherry, I haven't seen my barber in six weeks. And, um, you know, I'm, I did a TV show today. I'm struggling, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm struggling. I think we all are struggling. struggling. Listen, you're, you're struggling I, to get a haircut. We're no, struggling to buy a not, let, me, let me be clear. Let's not. I'm not making light of that. Yeah. But let's be clear. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, I'm not, I'm a, a, a brother, a brother's relationship with his barber is a sacred one. Um, yeah. and, and I haven't been able to see mine in in in, in, in six weeks. So you know the. To your point, though, you know, I think that's actually what the governor is doing is is that we're, we're looking. He's looking at the numbers. He's talking with the experts and they're making decisions. Here's the other thing I need people to understand. There was no playbook left mm. on how to do this. Right. This is happening in real time. This is how the decisions are being made, you know, day in and day out. OK, can we do this? Can we not do this? Let's try it. And, and here's what folks need to understand about what the governor is going to do. There's a chance that he may open stuff up and then have to shut it down because it didn't work because the numbers went back up. You know what I mean? So, you know, that, that, that is the new time that we're in where folks are making the best judgments that they can based off of the information that they have. But, you know, does but, that but mean fair, that, you know, fair. down the line in the near future yeah. that yeah. there could be some reclassifications? There can be. Because this is a very, very fluid mm-hmm. situation that we have mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And go ahead and take. So, so let, let me just let me just throw this out there. Our stores are not but so big, sir. So no, let me speak for everybody. No, we're not. We don't want the beaches to open. We don't want the casinos to open. We don't want concerts with Beyonce. We're not looking at that. But the little small stores who you can only have four or five people in your shop at one time, you just career killed. They just use their savings to survive. They used everything they had. Okay. I was at, well, Acme on Cotman Avenue today. It's crowded and everybody's got masks on. You're going to tell the small businesses to, Hey, we don't want y'all to open, but y'all come on up here in Walmart with 400 people and just put a mask on. That's what we want for our location. We're not saying so, open up, uh, open so up the, the saying, casino. So he's saying, can no, we I, use I, social I, Carrie, distancing? Yeah. And, and no, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. And, and I'm not a doctor. The doctor's on the line, and she can say this. But but let me be clear. You know, if you have four people in your store and one person has the coronavirus, everybody in the store can be infected. Whether it's, whether it's ten on. people. Let me finish. I'm, I don't. I I don't disagree with you on that one. You and I okay. don't disagree on that part. Okay, we don't okay, disagree so. on that part. I probably would have if 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 I ruled the world, I might have done something a little bit more drastic. That's just me personally, right. um, you know, but 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 let, let's be clear. You can have three, four, five people in. And if one person got the coronavirus, only y'all can be uh, uh, infected. You know, only y'all mm-hmm. can now now be sick. That's the nature of what we're dealing with. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, there is no easy answer for any of these yeah. questions. And I think yeah. folks need to understand that this is hurting and it is going to hurt. There is no easy answer. But what I know hurts more is putting your mother, your father, or your grandmother, or your grandfather, or your child in the ground. We know that that hurts more. So we have to make these decisions. You know, the governor and the mayor and the yeah. you know elected yeah. officials that are with them are making decisions with doctors over what we think will best protect them. Now, here's the thing. My, 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 my brother, your small business owner, if it was up to me, yes. Y'all would get money first, okay? I'm not mm-hmm. a federal elected official, so I don't control those type of dollars. 
But, you know, we are working on the city level and on the state level on how we're going to provide help. Because we do understand, I understand, small businesses are the economic engine of the city and of our commonwealth. And we definitely have to do all we can to help you. But our first priority has to be lives. And, Dr. Jen, I want you to get back in here because we're getting close to wrapping up. Could we just, you know, roll it out a little bit and then have enforcement? Or is enforcement even possible to keep people safe at this time? The recommendations should be based on science. Mm. They may not be convenient. They may not be the most comfortable. They may not be in the timing and in the way that we want, or they might. But the idea is we should be going based on what the science says we should do. And what I'm advocating for is that if the science tells us that we need to roll this out slower, or if we need to do X, Y, or Z, then that's what we do without taking shortcuts, without trying to get around it, without trying to make it a little easier. Because the problem is we're forgetting the bottom line. The bottom line is people's lives. We also have to remember the communities that are affected the most. You know, all of these things are going into play and how I feel. I know this isn't fun and I know this isn't easy. I agree with everything you've said, but that doesn't change my mind about going with the science because while I understand that some people are not getting paychecks and they don't have health insurance, some other people are underground. And I want to ask you, Derek, how can we support you? Because I know... Right now, it's hard. You work in entertainment. There is no entertainment mm-hmm. right now. I still sell, you know, all type of, any type of costumes and accessories. But like you're going to Party City, you see any type of masquerade mask, wigs, makeup, uh, Halloween attire, anything for 70s Parley, Harlem Nights, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, anything of that nature. And I'm not just speaking for me. I was just speaking for everybody that owns a small business because right now we can't do much of anything if nobody's having parties. A couple of people have a little 50th birthday parties for their mom and 10 people show up and they buy their mom masks or they buy their mom little mm-hmm. stuff and have like a little, little yeah. party. I'm just griping for, for, for all the little people who've gotten anything. And so many people in Philadelphia that's working from home or, and they're getting cute and they're looking down on the people trying to make a living saying, oh, just stay home. Come August, you're going to have a purge. And, and, and the violence already has increased. But the newspapers and the television yeah. don't discuss all yeah. the people getting and, and, robbed and how, at the Walmart and the Acme. Yeah. And how can we support you and, and other small business owners as we try to wait this out? Before you go to eBay and Amazon, go up to the little entertainment store. Go up to the little uh, nailery. Uh, don't buy on eBay and Amazon so fast. Don't be so quick to order from a major food chain. Go find that little restaurant on 52nd Street. I, okay, I know you. They might not be, uh, well, I didn't like them. Go support them one time this year at the yeah. end of the year. Go get your, now, and I'm not knocking anybody that likes to go to bigger locations, yeah. but go yeah. to that little small store where there's a woman back there's only two, three employees and buy your hair or your makeup. And your nails. Don't be so quick about Amazon because yes. I'm located at 7516 Frankfurt Avenue. The website for DNJ Costumes and Entertainment is www.djclownco.com, djclowncompany.com, djclownco.com. We have anything in entertainment, magicians, comedians, clowns, face painters, Elmo, yes. Dora, SpongeBob. And if you just want uh, Spider-Man just to come to your son's door and drop off a gift, we'll do that for you. You yeah. know, if, 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 if you just want uh, Paw Patrol to come outside and wave and give your child a hug, he'll have his mask on underneath the costume. You'll never even know. If you just want to sing a telegram to sing a song on your porch <laughs> to your grandma, Derek, we'll do that too. That Derek, excellent. look, I, Derek, I, I applaud you because Derek wants That's to excellent. not just survive this, but That's to excellent. thrive in this. And there's a lot of businesses that are working hard to make it through. And because this is Flashpoint, we have to wrap up every single expert I've talked about, they say that this will be our new norm, masking, social distancing. What is a realistic time frame? Do we have any ideas of what we're, we have to look forward to so that we can save our businesses and, and, and have some semblance of a real life? What I think is going to happen, crime is going to increase. It, it, it's going to be sad if we don't wrap this up and, and tell everybody to put a mask on and get back to work. Yeah. Um, it, it's sad that I have to say that. But crime is going to get increased. Violence is going to go out. Frustration. People are driving in the street with an attitude. People are standing at the right aid line, yeah, and rolling we, their mm-hmm. eyes at people. It's anger. You know, it, it's agitation. 
everybody needs to wear a mask at all times. If you're in any location, that will help. Yeah. And so I don't want anybody to listen to this and say, he don't care about lives. I do care about lives. Put your mask on and let's do what we got to do to survive. All right. Dr. Jen. Hopefully in the next few weeks uh, and the next few months, we'll start you know, coming back to normal. I'm not saying it's going to take months to do that. But I do think, and I'm talking about a whole country approach, I think it's going to take a while for our society to come back to what we used to know. And I do think that whenever we do all get back to, to, to things, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to look different. I think people are going to behave differently. So, um, you know, once again, we, we just have to work our hardest to keep ourselves safe and our families safe. Uh, we just have to, 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 to work our hardest at that and hope that we can get back to, to normal sooner rather than later and safely. Final word, Jordan. I will not put a time frame on it because I personally don't know. Things are so up and down with these numbers. It's hard to to, to give a determination. What I will say uh, that I do know is that uh, we are we will, when we come out of this, I think we will be living in a new normal. Mm. The way we do things will be different. The way we function will be different. But I will say this. I agree with Derek. I think that uh, you know, and I did it today. I, I was on Uber Eats ordering lunch from a local restaurant right here in my neighborhood to support my small businesses. And I definitely think folks should do that. Um, I think at the end of the day, what we have to remember uh, is that us staying home is making sure that grandma and grandpa don't get sick. Because even though you might not be sick, even though you may be asymptomatic, you can have the virus and you can take it home to somebody yeah, yeah. who will get sick and who will die. So stay home, yeah. stay healthy, and stay safe. Yes, thank you so much. And support your small business. You can check Absolutely. Derek out at djclownco.com. Support him and other local businesses so that we can survive this. To Representative Jordan Harris, to Dr. Jen Cottle, and to Derek Lee. We're coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having thank me. Thank you. Next up, a set of twin doctors join a consortium volunteering to serve those at high risk for COVID-19. Underserved communities a lot of times are not often a priority. Their mission coming up. We'll be right back. If you like what you hear, why don't you stick around and take a listen to some of our past episodes and our Flashpoint Extra. One example is our exclusive interview with DJ Jazzy Jeff. He contracted COVID-18 and for a minute there were dark moments, but he survived. And now he's hoping to help others do the same and we'll tell you how. Another great episode includes our newsmaker interview with the one and only Andrew Wyatt. He's spokesman for actor Bill Cosby. We'll tell you why he thinks the cause has a chance of getting early release. You can find this and many more great episodes by subscribing to the Flashpoint Podcast. It's available on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint. You can also find them at kywnewsradio.com slash Flashpoint. Thanks for your support. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. Our newsmaker of the week is the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium. Founded by pediatric surgeon Dr. Alla Stanford, the consortium includes dozens of doctors and medical professionals who raised money, got tests, and teamed up with Philadelphia's Black churches to test high-risk populations. Twin sisters Dr. Elena McDonald, a pediatrician, and Dr. Delena Wardlaw, a family physician, made headlines for joining that effort, and they're here with me virtually to discuss why it's so sorely needed. Welcome to Flashpoint, doctors. Thank you for having us, Cherry. For having us. You both are a part of the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium. Why did you decide to pitch in? This is Dr. Wardlow talking, and I am a family medicine physician. I have realized through my entire career, 20 years in medicine, that there has been um, discrepancies in health care. And that is due to lack of access to health care. That is due to lack of resources to health care. That is due to mistrust in the health care system. That is due to implicit bias in the health care system. And when the coronavirus pandemic entered our world and changed everything about what's going on in the world today, there was the initial response that, oh, you know, some people were thinking that African-Americans can't be affected. Some people were thinking that, oh, it's a government conspiracy. Oh, it's a hoax. And I felt like it is my job as a family physician to educate and to try to get our communities 
the information, the education, and the tests and access they, that they need. So when the Black Doctors COVID-19 consortium was developed and I was invited to join, I was thrilled to participate because we know that the access is not always there. Mm. We know that as the numbers emerge, African Americans have been affected in significantly higher numbers, and we have to make sure that people are aware of this. We have to make sure that people have access to the test, and I am committed to providing those services, committed to our community, so I am volunteering, stepping up. And Dr. McDonald, quick follow-up to you, because I've seen people pitching in, because when I was surprised, getting resources from the government was tough for this consortium. You know, the consortium really uh, came into existence, literally, a couple of weeks ago when um, Dr. Stanford reached out to us and asked us, would we be able to, to join her and help out and come up with, you know, help develop a program there? We could service the hardest hit communities. It was a no brainer for me. I'm a pediatrician and the burden of the disease isn't really affecting children as much, but we know children are asymptomatic and they can pass it on to grandma or, you know, or sick yes. aunt or their mm-hmm. parent who has an underlying, you know, um, medical condition, and then they can have, you know, um, significant clinical symptoms from the COVID-19. So we did have to pull together our resources. Originally, you know, Dr. Stanford had to go around to different physicians' offices who actually had the testing kits originally. And then she was able to secure, you know, a few hundreds more for us to actually start the initial, you know, round of testing. Initially, she took out a van and did a few house calls, you know, and that was last Thursday. And then Saturday, we set up shop at Miller Memorial Medical in North Philadelphia, and we bought, we tested um, over 120 people. And they were able to drive up and walk up because a lot of the testing centers had the barriers where you had to have a prescription and you had to have a car, you know, um, or you had to be a certain age or you had to be in a certain profession in order to get the testing done. We took away all those barriers so that people could be tested. And then Monday at E9, we tested well over 350 people. You know, when we we were due to start at 10 a.m., when I arrived there at 930, the parking lot was completely full. Mm. We were already at capacity by 930 a.m. as to how many people we will probably actually be able to test that day. Wow. Um, and then uh, yesterday, uh, the team is at Penn Memorial in, in West Philly, you know, and then, and then tomorrow would be at Mount Airy Church of God. So by the end of the week, we will likely have tested close to 1,000 people. Um, you know, just by pulling together our smart, you know, our resources. And, and now that the story has gotten out there, more people are reaching out yeah. to, to support, to see how they can come and help out. Because we certainly need more volunteers. We certainly need more funding to help continue this. And we, you know, and we, and we certainly, you know, need the testing supplies to do the things that we need to do in order to, to get people tested. Yeah. And I got to throw in here because it seems like it makes sense, the mitigation strategy would be, look, you see uh, African-American people are dying in higher numbers. They're testing positive in higher numbers because of the jobs they have, comorbidities people have. Why do you think it was a slow reaction to send, you know, the type of resources and folks like you all had to get together and say, look, we're doing it ourselves? We were caught off guard. We were caught off guard as a country to the coronavirus pandemic. And when we were caught off guard, the government's response to the pandemic with the rolling out supplies, rolling out, even with at the hospital level, the supplies, equipment, ventilators, things like that. We were behind the eight ball on everything. So two, I think that had, I think that had an effect on it. Two, also the being able to secure supplies at local levels, outpatient levels, because the hospitals were taking, they, they had priority. They had priority. So, you know, and then we were having issues with securing the the supplies and the equipment at the outpatient levels and, and things of that nature. And that's why a lot of doctor's offices can't test because of the lack of, of PPE, which is the personal protective equipment and the lack of, of testing supplies. So I believe that it was just an organizational or a, we had a system failure to say where we, we weren't prepared. And I think that is where the issue came in, where we just weren't able to get the supplies and the, and the, and the, and the, and the things that we needed. And underserved communities, a lot of times are not often a priority and people are often, you know, left out, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. So this is where the step up had to come in. And Dr. McDonald, do you feel like there's a shift now or is it too soon to tell? Too soon to tell, but I am hoping that there will be a big shift. And we know just on the response that we have received 
that people want to step up. People want to say, look, how can we help? What can we do to help you guys continue to do this? Because everybody recognized the big gap that was out in the community. And to piggyback on what Dr. Warlaw was saying, we think that there was initial lack of response on the local level. There was a lack of response because our national leadership just was not pushing the envelope enough to get the testing kits, to get the PPE. So it trickled down to the local level, you know, and, and everybody's trying to do everything on their own accord. You know, they, there need to be more of a streamlined process. It needs to be more of a streamlined process so that everybody's on the same page. Each state is setting up their own rules. The governors are making their own decisions, you know, and everybody's doing things differently. And and we need to try to find the the best practices, as we say in medicine. What what is working and what should we suggest that everybody does? And we hope that, you know, we are making a huge difference in the communities, but it, it, it needs to extend all the way out. I do have one thing to piggyback on in regards to the testing sites. A lot of times those testing sites require you have a note from your doctor. When people don't have physicians to go to or to ask their questions to, then they're left out in the cold and they, they don't know where to go. They don't know how to obtain resources. They don't know how to get the information. So that was one of the big barriers that the Black Doctors COVID-19 consortium removed. If you did not have a doctor, you do not have a note from your doctor that you have to come. Um, you do have to have symptoms to get tested, you know, because there is still a limited supply of testing supplies, but you do have, and you do have to have symptoms to get tested and have been exposed, but it removes that barrier of people who do not have that access to health care to be able to get tested. Because we saw the number of deaths. I mean, in Philly, African-Americans make up the largest number of people dying. In other cities, they were the majority. And it seems like it took us a little bit of a, a while to realize, because I had no idea what impact black people in such a way and we always hear that but but you don't think about it real time as far as education are there quick things you could say to you want folk to know when they should get tested why when they should access the resources that you are providing so that we can stop the spread you know my main point to anybody who's listening that COVID-19 is a very real virus it affects every single one of us and we have to figure out what we can do each individual person can do to help stop the spread of this deadly virus before this is all over each and every one of us will know someone who has been affected by COVID-19 so it is our responsibility to make sure that we are staying in the home as much as we need to only go out when we absolutely have to continue to practice the social distancing Wear your mask when you are out and about. Continue to wash your hands. And if you do have questions or concerns, you need to contact, you know, your physician or healthcare professional to help you navigate the next few steps. But we all have accountability in this process. So, Dr. Wardlaw, when should people access the resources and get tested? If you have symptoms. So, then the symptoms that we are looking for are persistent fever greater than 100.1 to if you are having a unfamiliar cough. So a cough can come from a variety of reasons. It can come from allergies. It can come from people who have asthma or underlying lung disease, COPD. It can come from people who have a heart disease, CHF. So if it's an unfamiliar cough to you, number three, if you are having shortness of breath. Now, if it's, a, if it's shortness of breath where you can't get your activities done around your home, you can't do your usual activities, that is a reason to be tested. However, if you are short of breath, where you are feeling like you're gassing for air, your lips are turning blue, then you need to go to the emergency room. There are still reasons to go to the emergency room and not wait to try to get to try to get a test. Um, diarrhea, a persistent diarrhea, loss of taste and smell. So those are reasons for patients to get tested. And so you all have tested hundreds of people. There's more opportunities for this free testing. How can people uh, support you? And I'll I'll ask you, Dr. McDonald. So the number one way that people can support us is that they can go to our GoFundMe page. And the GoFundMe page, if you you simply Google Black Doctors COVID-19 GoFundMe, it will pop right up. And we we take any donation, small or large, because, you know, we need those donations to secure PPE for transportation, for all kinds of supplies, for us to run the testing sites. So any dollar amount counts. And if you have access to personal protective equipment, Masks, gowns, gloves, face shields. We will absolutely take those also. Final word, Dr. Wardlaw. This is not a conspiracy. This is not a hoax. This is a real condition. It does not discriminate. 
and everybody is at risk. So we all have to we all have to act as if everybody potentially can be infected. So it is very important for us to continue to practice the social distancing. It is very important for us to follow the stay at home orders. It is very important for us to continue to wear the mask when we go out for essential needs only. So this is real, and we have to combat and. Uh, a virus that is upon us. It is new to us. We're still learning things about it every day in the medical community. But please take heed to the warnings. African Americans are being impacted in significant numbers, and we have to do our best to protect our, ourselves and our communities. And the responsibility starts with each and every one of us. So we have to do what we can do to protect ourselves and our families. Thank you so much to Dr. Elena McDonald and Dr. Delena Wardlaw for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thank you for having us. Next up, he used to play piano for his grandmother, but when the lockdown happened, he got creative. So I'm very happy to bring entertainment to them and brighten the day. A South Jersey ninth grader's effort to serenade seniors. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. Be sure to subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast by downloading the Radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint. Now, we here at KWW, we are all about community. A group of New Jersey teens are bringing joy to their community by using their passion for music to perform virtual concerts for senior citizens during the lockdown. Here to tell us more about senior serenades is our Patriot Home Care changemaker, Colin D. Pasquale. Colin, welcome to Flashpoint. How you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, we're on Zoom because we're social distancing right now. Yep. So where did you come up with this idea for Senior Serenades? Well, originally, um, I went to my grandma's house and she had the piano there and she'd always want me to play for her. And so whenever I played for her or for any anybody in general, they'd really enjoy it. So I thought, well, if my grandma enjoys it, why doesn't everybody else's grandma want to enjoy it? So I just uh, it was just me originally that went to different assisted living facilities in the local area and uh, I played piano and then I got some of my musician friends who all go to school we're all freshmen in high school and we all go there and now because of lockdown we just record at home I edit the footage together and we send the videos to the um, assisted living facilities in uh, instead of just being there in person. Wow and so you've heard how COVID-19 and the coronavirus is really hard on our seniors so what has been the reaction to them getting these videos? Um, well, they're very happy since they can't really, uh, obviously they can't leave and they can't have anybody see them. It's just them and that they feel very lonely and they're very bored. So I'm very happy to bring entertainment to them and brighten their day. They're very thankful for it. That's awesome. So what, what are some of the tunes that they love? Um, um, they kind of like just everything. We play a very big variety of music from jazz to classical to pop and pretty much everything in between. Um, they haven't, like, not so much a specific song, but they just really enjoy hearing all the different musical varieties of different instruments and different types of songs. So what does your grandma think about this? Um, she is very, very happy. She, she still wants me to play whenever I come over. I mean, I haven't been there in a while since lockdown, but whenever I do get there, she always wants me to play for her. And same reaction. She's very excited. So what has this lockdown been like for you, um, given that you're you, you obviously are close to your grandmother? And I love my grandmother. She was one of my best friends. So was it, what has it been like for you? Um, so, I mean, it's definitely been a shame that we can't see her in person, but we get to Zoom chat with her along with a couple other of my um, relatives and friends. And I still play for her. It's just over Zoom now. So you still play? Yeah, she still wanted me to play, but I just sit at the piano, and then my uh, my mom Zoom records me, and we live chat. So that's awesome. Nice. And so, do um, so. How many nursing homes have you sent these videos to? Um, so in the local area, we have um, three, and we were trying to work on a fourth one, but they do not have an activities director. But now we have a sign up on our website, seniorserenades.org, where any assisted living facility in the country can sign up, and we can send the uh, the video for uh, to them for their seniors to enjoy. Yeah. And what do you think music does to people, especially when they're quarantined and we, we, we hear about all the things that are happening inside of uh, some, not nurse, not assisted living facilities, but nursing homes. Um, well, it definitely, uh, at least for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other people, it's a big stress reliever. I mean, there's a lot of stress during lockdown and just overall in the situation and it's a great outlet just 
for me playing and for people listening. And especially, like I said, for the seniors, since they don't have any other form of entertainment or communication, it's nice to just see other people. And the, since we're all just freshmen, I, I'm assuming we give a representation of their grandkids. So. Yeah. So you're like somebody's, you're like their grandchildren, uh, loving up on yeah. them. Yeah. And so what is your vision for yourself? Because obviously you've been playing uh, piano for a while. Um, so I just plan to keep continuing this and trying to grow the program. Hopefully, like I said, there's a sign up on my website and hopefully we can get more assisted living facilities around the country to, to, uh, take part in this and enjoy our music. So that's just planning to grow. Yeah. And so once we go back to normal, I don't know how long that'll be. Um, will you go back to playing in person? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, once the, the restriction on local assisted living facilities is lifted, uh, me and my friends will go back to playing in person and things will return to normal, hopefully. Yeah. And what is your advice to other folks, young people uh, who want to help, but they don't know how? It seems like you found a way. Um, any small act of kindness, whether it's virtual, just calling up a family member or calling up friends or just wanting to talk to someone, even if it's online. It helps a lot if you want to donate or anything. It just, it's helpful. Even small acts of kindness help a lot to people who are in need. Wonderful. And so tell us the website one more time and how people can bring their facilities online and, and be part of this. Uh, seniorserenades.org. And if you scroll down, there is a sign up for any assisted living facility in the country. You put in, I believe, uh, the email that we want to contact you by and then the name of your assisted living facility, and we find you, and once we publish a video, we send it to you for your sure. seniors to enjoy. That is awesome. So I want to say thank you so much to you, Colin D. Pasquale, for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Are you disappointed in the timing of your home care paycheck? Or are you being paid at all? Call Patriot Home Care today and know that your paycheck will arrive on time and that you'll be well paid. As a leading home care provider in Pennsylvania, Patriot offers the most comprehensive benefits package in the state. You can qualify for free health care, 401k retirement benefits, paid sick time and vacations, and time and a half pay for holidays. Who doesn't like that, right? You can call Patriot Home Care today at 877-535-5550. That's 877-535-5550. Again, it's 877-535-5550. Flashpoint is produced by Cherry Gregg and associate producer Ariane Fulcher. Thanks for listening. it for the flashpoint podcast i hope you enjoyed this exclusive content follow us on twitter our handle is flashpoint show you can also follow me at cherry greg if there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar let us know and we'll walk you through the flames as actor and former california governor arnold schwarzenegger once said government's first duty and highest obligation is public safety i'm your host cherry greg until next week thanks for listening